Heights and Vibes Podcast is the perfect wrestling podcast. There's a guy named Al and there's Daniel and there's guy Mike Eagle is there as well. Tights and Vibes Podcast. Tights and Start the podcast. It's time to start the podcast. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all Yo. ages, welcome to Tights and Fights, the show that discusses wrestling with the sincerity and hilarity that it deserves. What? What is it? That's why you get paid the big bucks. It was so good. The now big voiceover bucks. The entire theme song is in my head right now. <laughs> Oh. Listen up. <laughs> I used to, uh, like, you could start a betting pool every WrestleMania for whose entrance will be longer, Triple H or The Undertaker. And mm. it seems like they've caught on to this game, and now they're just trying to see who, I'm going to do a 20-minute entrance. <laughs> I'm going to 25 minutes. It's a terrible <laughs> Undertaker. Anyway, I'm Hal Lublin. I'm not The Undertaker. The man of a thousand and four podcasts. <laughs> and I'm joined in the booth by my fellow leaders in the nation of conversation, the rated PG superstar, Danielle Radford. Thanks. That's not true at all. No. <laughs> That's not. That is a complete Never work. Never thing has been less true. <laughs> <laughs> and the man who plans to beat the man to be the man. That's right. Open Mike Eagle. Hi. That one's correct. Hey, what's how short for? It's short for nothing. What the hell? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I know. I know. They're all, all the rest of them are like Harold's or I've Henry's. been thinking about this for like four solid days. Like <laughs> what super obvious thing is how short for that I can't think of? I'm so Albert, Alex, Alex, what is it? I'm so happy that everybody gets to listen in on us on a getting to know you episode. <laughs> Forget the wrestling. This is just about the three of. I wish I hadn't told you that it wasn't. I should have kept it a mystery. And I don't. I hate when people do that to me. So oh, I can't do that to anybody yeah, else. Don't lie to me. There's, I didn't. I'm enough, not. There's enough lies in wrestling. We should be honest in here. It is 100 just how. Maybe oh, we should wow. one one day we'll do like a, a getting to know you episode. All right. Yeah. I will tell you legit, my parents have never given me a straight story on why it is Hal. I know the H is for my grandmother, who was who was Hannah and had passed away, but uh, I've heard Hal Holbrook, I've heard Hal Linden, and that is all. I just can't Not imagine. Not Hal Hartley, I can can't tell you imagine that. a baby named Hal. That's, 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 <laughs> that's an adult name. You know what I mean? Well, I came out as a 25-year-old. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> I had to book a flight out of my mother's vagina, <laughs> which is very expensive. And pre-internet. So yeah. That was difficult. Yeah, I, but see, the... I just assumed you were like Athena where you just cut yourself out. <laughs> you were like, I'm here. Cut out of my mother's head. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she had a headache one day. It turns out it was a 25-year-old <laughs> just <laughs> who, hanging out. Who, who knows a lot about wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> well, why don't we talk about wrestling? Okay. okay? All right. <laughs> Coming up on this week's show, the current state of the cruiserweights. You Can't See Me times 16, a raw ratings deal, and plenty more. But first, Mike and Danielle and Julian, who's outside of this room, I've got something to share with you. Sharing. Uh, I have a friend named Johnny who mm. has been backstage with me at, at a couple of WWE events and is also a fan. And uh, last year, he sent a fake house show report to Dave Meltzer with the hopes that it would get published on his website so I'd like to share that with you. This is from January of 2015. I'm so in. So let's remember at this time that the New Day was not over yet. 
This is to uh, Dave Meltzer. This is a San Antonio House Show report, Monday, January 19th, 2015. One, Kofi Kingston defeats Brock Lesnar and wins the WWE heavyweight title, two minutes, 15 seconds. Nothing special. Brock got in offense early, but Kofi reversed the F5 into trouble in paradise. The Rock and Triple H fought to a 60-minute draw, and a winner gets complete control of WWE. Loser is fired forever, and Vince McMahon is special guest referee. <laughs> Only thing of note was that after the match was finished, Vince McMahon went on the mic. Since both of you lost and won, you will both share complete control of WWE 50-50, and you're both fired. He really played up the usual, you're fired. <laughs> fire. <laughs> All the WWE divas come out, too many to list. Nikki Bella gets on the mic and says something along the lines of, we are tired of being treated differently than the men. We are just as much competitors as them. As of now, I'm relinquishing and retiring the WWE divas title, and we will all be competing in matches with men for the same titles. She throws the divas title on the ground, and they all spit on it. So just a Sasha Banks promo. Yeah, Sasha Banks promo. <laughs> uh, gets an enormous pop, biggest of the entire night. The arena's rumbling like I've never heard before, and I've been to many shows and many WrestleManias. Big Show defeats Paige, AJ, Nikki Bella, and Brie Bella in a four-on-one handicap match in 37 seconds. (laughs) Big Show then went on the mic and said that this was the biggest win of his career and announces his retirement. (laughs) Big Show is announced as the third member of the 2015 Hall of Fame class. (laughs) The Undertaker defeats Brock Lesnar in a streak-redeemed match, two hours, 15 minutes, and 12 seconds. It was really long, but told a great story. Before the match started, Brock and Undertaker were exchanging words on the mic and agreed that if Undertaker won the match, the streak would be reinstated. So the Undertaker is now once again undefeated at WrestleMania. I'm confused because they didn't address whether he was 21-0 or 22-0, basically whether the match last year counted as a win or didn't count at all. (laughs) I guess we'll find out on Raw. I talked to some fans as I left the arena. Everyone agreed it was a decent show. (laughs) So there you go, my pal Johnny. Uh, I was reading this. Good work, Johnny. At work the other day, it was in tears. (laughs) Just the idea of submitting dumb house show reports to Meltzer in the hope that one gets through. You guys, listeners, y'all should do that. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? (laughs) For sure you should do that. (laughs) You should. uh, Let's everybody go to our Facebook page which is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tights fights and post phony house show reports. Oh my God, please. And we will pick the best one and we will submit it to Dave Meltzer. <gasps> oh, I'm oh, so happy. This makes me so happy. So, thank you, Johnny. Yeah. Johnny, thank you as always. All right. Now let's get to our headliner segment where we break down the latest pro wrestling news and put it in context for you. First, there's some natural laws of wrestling. Number one, all refs are idiots. Number two, the authority figures have offices in every arena in the country. And number three, John Cena doesn't lose clean on TV. This week, that last law was broken as part of the build to the AJ Styles versus Dean Ambrose versus Cena match for the WWE title at No Mercy. This week's SmackDown main event had Ambrose versus Cena one on one, and Ambrose pinned Cena one, two, three, clean, middle of the ring. And I think that such a momentous occasion deserves to be heard on its own. So let's hear the call. Looking for the attitude adjustment. Well done, boy. Ambrose. Oh. Got it. He got it. Wow. Here is your winner, Dean Ambrose. He got it. <laughs> Golly, as David Otunga. <laughs> now, there are a couple things that come out of this match. There's the direction that Ambrose is going and the direction that Cena is going. So let's start with the lunatic fringe. Mike. 
you were of the mind that something was just off about Ambrose during his WWE title reign. Mm -hmm. And now that they're kind of reinforcing the chip he has on his shoulder, are you hopeful that they've properly corrected his character? No, because wow. this yeah. is the problem, right? Okay. The problem ain't it ain't his uh it ain't his Wrangler jeans or his A shirt. <laughs> it's not his dirty hair. <laughs> it's not his unkempt facial. None of that. None of that. None of that. It's it's the problem, the ultimate foundational issue with Mr. Ambrose, I believe, is his moveset. And it doesn't mm. matter which direction they put him in, heel or face, if they're going to call the man a lunatic. If he's going to get on the mic and sound like a lunatic. If you're going to hear this revving motor before his stuff comes out and expect everybody to go crazy. Um, at his angriest, man, he can't be doing these running two-hand punches <laughs> and, um, and rebounding off of everything and not, you know, lifting his legs really high when he runs. It's just, oh! Can we cut some slits in them jeans? Oh, something <laughs> needs to happen. Something's got to give. Like, it's to the point now. I swear when I was watching SmackDown last night, when he did that rebound clothesline, <laughs> there was an audible groan. <laughs> in the audience <laughs> everybody's tired of it it was cool the first 38 times you can't do that every time I feel like they mixed that spot up for a little while where he would miss the first one and then hit the second one and now he he sort of did like a partial version of one and I think then he, he did need, the full one honestly at this point at least the next 20 times he needs to go ahead and fall out of the ring. <laughs> yeah, it is the only way it's going to get over. It's not really like a madman move. That it's is more not. of a like, that's like a cerebral ring awareness move. That's yeah. not a like, I'm crazy move. Then that's what I'm getting to. He doesn't yeah. do anything crazy. He doesn't do one <laughs> single thing that's crazy. <laughs> and all he talks about is how crazy he is. So I think it doesn't matter much which direction he's going in. He'll face chip on the shoulder attitude, white meat baby face. It's just that if he's crazy, occasionally he's got to do something crazy. And I don't think he does. Do you agree with that, Danielle? I mean, do you? How do you feel about the way that the character is headed in the last few weeks? Um, you know, I mean, I'm always going to be happy that they took him away from the crazy. Like, oh, I stole like three ambulances and I stole like a hot dog cart. So, I like a lot of the promos have been like dope. Uh, I felt bad for Renee on SmackDown last night when he was straight up like, I don't care what you think. And she was like, rude. (laughs) And she's right. You don't get it. And she was waiting for it, too, because you could see when he was like, I don't care what you think. I don't care what they're king. And she was waiting. She was like, is he going to get on television and tell me he he just got on television and told me he don't care what I think? (laughs) He did did put a qualifier on. He said, sometimes. Sometimes. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay, Dean, I see you. But so like that's, Gene's about to get a little lonely. But that's like, Mm -hmm. the internet loves Dean. They specifically love Dean when he's with other dudes, but that's just what the internet's going to do. But like, I'm not a huge Dean stan. I've never been like huge. I like him. I appreciate his work. But yeah, it's the same thing where it's like, yo, if you're going to come here and be the lunatic fringe, it can't just be that like you slur your way through promos. But yeah, and the ring is just a big old. Yeah, man, it's not connected. It's not connecting for me at all. And I don't know. I don't know what to how to how to fix that. And part of it is maybe he should, should needs to be able to move his legs more. I don't know. I think it's just the choices. I'm telling you, that, that when he's getting fired up in a match and he's doing his comeback and he starts doing them running two-hand punches, that's just not a thing. That's just not a thing people do to each other when they're angry. <laughs> it's just running two-hand soft punch. It's not yeah. a thing. You've never been so mad that you just ran at somebody and sort of pushed them over with two fists? No! <laughs> well, you've never been really mad, my friend. <laughs> I, I do agree he could re- refresh his moveset. I think there are probably a number of movesets 
that, that we could point to that could be refreshed. True story. To, to me, the biggest issue with him is the storytelling around his matches. When the story's told well, like it was with the S.H.I.E.L.D. breakup and him pursuing Rollins, then all of that stuff makes sense. Right. But if you have a match with Cena where you've started to establish some issues and then really build it afterwards, then I'm less... I'm going to be less inclined to... I'm not going to go back and watch the match and go, oh, that was really good. I've already seen it. Talk first, then fight. Mm. Oh, they don't like each other in the locker room. I wish I would have known that before last week. Yeah. (laughs) Well, let's take a look at Mr. Buss himself, John Cena. Uh, It's hard to remember a time when people weren't criticizing him as a character. People have said he gets too much screen time, that he stayed a babyface for too long, etc., etc. WWE is clearly making Cena look more vulnerable than he has in the past, while also pointing to the story that he may be headed for his 16th world title, and that would tie him with Ric Flair for the record. Danielle. Cena tying Ric Flair is something that a lot of people are vocally against. How do you feel about potentially seeing him get the title again? I just, I, I, I think that I like retirement getting close to part-time Cena. You know, like I, I appreciate it because it means that more dudes are getting other chances. I don't want another Cena run. And I don't know that it would matter to me if it was Ric Flair's or not. Because I read Flair did an AMA um, on Reddit yesterday. Mm -hmm. Since, you know, we taped this on Wednesday. And so yesterday he did an AMA. And he said he would love for it to happen if... John went over on him and it's like, well, yeah, of course he is. <laughs> you are made of balls of rice. Right. Of course he is going over on you. You are just all sinew. And... Yeah, no, he's 170,000 years old. There's no way. There's, yeah, nobody no. wants to see that. No one wants to see that. You are cottage cheese. So like, I don't. <laughs> So that's what he wants is that he wants he would want it to happen like that. And if, if he's going to break the record, I want him to do it. However, Flair wants him to do it. Let's talk about the record specifically. So, Mike, do you think that people are more upset about John Cena winning because it's John Cena or is it because Ric Flair is is sort of a sacred cow? If it was anybody other than Flair, if it was Austin or Tri- Triple H is a good example. Mm-hmm. Say Triple H has the record. Would that be less controversial because it's not flair? I don't know. I think we got a few things going on here. There was a point where John Cena was very loved. We all remember that. Uh, It was 10 years ago when he first turned heel and got really big doing the rapping gimmick and people were behind him. Oh, boy. I mean, I liked it back then. He had an edge. Um, You know, when he calmed the rapping down and was just an aggressive guy and it was cool and then he turned babyface and just would never stop being a babyface. And who, we still don't know if it's well. Obviously, it has to be partly his decision and partly creative's decision. But that I think is what led to the rejection of John Cena as a character. Is that for so long it was so stale and he was Superman booked and went over everybody for so long that all we wanted was for them to turn him heel to breathe some new life into the character mm-hmm. and. The creator's refusal or his refusal to do that is what I think led to the to the disconnect between, you know, the the base fan base and him. I think if any point they had turned him heel or if they turn him heel now, it won't be that big of a deal if he gets another title run. Mm. I think that would make it a little easier on everybody. I agree. And then there's also. okay, so there's also just the number in general. But to me, I think if you look at it in terms of real life, there's just really no comparing Ric Flair's 
championships with anybody. So, I mean, we're in an era now. Does Randy Orton have like 12 or something? Yeah. Man. You know, like, so he'll get 20 I'm, before yeah, it's I'm, over. Like, I'm 90% sure that I've been the WWE champion at some point. Right. Let's check that record. I am pretty sure. If I took the WCW title off of David Arquette for a week, right. does yeah. that put me in the lineage of that title? I feel like oh, it does. I think it does. I think, I think, it think it that's how too. it works. You know? Oh, great. I spray painted Hal on it. They were like, what is that? stand for. I was like, nothing. It's just my name. Leave me alone already. But in Ric Flair's time, you had to be like voted on by this committee representing territories all over the country. And they all had to believe that you were the person who was best for business everywhere. Mm. Yeah. Where now, you know, it's one company running things and there's only a few top guys. So they just trade the belt around a lot. So I think comparing Cena's 16 to flares it's you know it's it's a it's a number it's the same it's number the same, but it's completely yeah. different experience and it means a different thing so i, sure. I don't I you know i do i see all of the hand wringing about it but i think it's kind of dumb god what? wouldn't it be great though if dario cuerto could vote on who would be oh and dixie carter gets a vote <laughs> oh. and billy corgan, billy yes. corgan. they get to oh, vote as a oh, committee god. i would love that so much <laughs> And five uh, indie Drew Galloway. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I vote Brian Cage. <laughs> oh. All right, let's move on to news of possible upcoming returns. Previously, former WWE Divas champ Paige was suspended while Luke Harper and Emma both suffered injuries. And in the last two weeks, we've heard that Paige, Luke Harper, and Emma are all close to making their return. Danielle. Which of the three are you most looking forward to seeing again? And how would you position them to succeed once they're back? I'm ready for Emma. Yeah. Emma's the one that I'm looking forward to coming back the most because Emma was like right on the cusp of really getting in there. And so many up and downs with her gimmick. So many, you bring her to Raw, then you put her back. And then they did the amazing thing of being like, oh, now I'm like hella bitter, which was exactly the right move for her. Um, And so for her to have that injury right before she was about to really start um, getting pushed was such a bummer. Um, As I say with every woman who's about to come back, please put them on SmackDown. Um, Even though the SmackDown women's division is dope, I'm always going to say there needs to be more experience. There need to be more people. But it looks like she's been doing some refing and stuff for Raw. I'm good with that, too. I'm just ready for more Emma. I want Emma to come in. Um, I fear that if she comes back to Raw right now, and I think that might be why she's not, because she mentioned that she's been cleared to wrestle for a minute now. If she comes back, she's going to be not buried, but there's got there's all this stuff where it's like Sasha's clearly about to turn heel, so maybe she'll stop diving out of stuff and killing herself every <laughs> single pay-per-view. That would be dope. Um, so <laughs> Sasha's clearly about to turn, and they're, we're going to lead up to the big Sasha Bailey feud, and I also don't want her to get caught up and be ignored because everyone's waiting for that. So you put her on SmackDown, you give her more of a chance to be seen and not be caught up in what will eventually be Sasha Bailey 3. Right. And to be fair, 
if she went to Raw, it'd be tough because they only have one women's match a week. Right. And they only have three hours, whereas SmackDown did two I women's can't. matches All right. for the course you know, of two hours. So if I were to pick a women's division that I'm more invested in, you gotta stop. I would pick SmackDown. You gotta stop. Come on, Alexa Bliss <laughs> is a star. How fun would it be to see her feud with Bailey? Alexa, or see her feud with Sasha? Alexa Bliss is great. I don't think that she needs the Harley Quinn thing that they're doing. I think she can do it on her own, but if that's what it, it's not hurting her. Yeah. I just don't think that she needs it. And they're making the belt a centerpiece. Look, I'm getting far afield. I get it. Oh. I felt like you were close to saying, like, the he's, women's, you're women's so division on SmackDown to... is superior. He's, wait, he's waiting, y'all. It's he's a... waiting for me to admit that I love SmackDown. And it's... I'm not giving you nothing. It's just a better built division. And and Raw has, has more established talent. Right. And I almost wouldn't combine them because then it's too much. I want Raw to do what SmackDown is doing. Make make the title a centerpiece, yes, but also build up the whole division. There are six women vying for a title, seven when Eva Marie gets back from her vacation. But (laughs) on Raw, it feels like we have three people and Dana Brooke is also there. And every other woman outside of Nia Jax, who's now (laughs) wrestling Foxy on a pre-show... Like, it's just, what is going on in that division? I see no reason why you can't have, I mean, and I love the, I just see no reason why you can't have three. Have two good women's matches and then have Nia Jax destroy some local talent. Yep. I'm totally okay with that. Like, you have three hours. I, I don't see why there can't be three solid women's matches, especially... I don't know. Now, now that I feel like we're not recapping as much, I just, too yeah. much, Stephanie. I, I have opinions. Mike, who are you looking forward to getting back? <laughs> I'd, I'd like to see Paige. I'd like mm-hmm. to see Paige. Mm-hmm. I feel like Paige fits. I, I see things a lot like you do, How, where I think of, when I think of the SmackDown Women's Division, I think of six women. When I think of the Raw Division, I think of three women. Yep. And I feel like Paige would enter very well into that group of three on Raw. There's already some built-in storylines there. Uh, and I think she'd inject some fresh energy. I'm I'm excited to see Harper come back too. Yeah, but I just don't. I'm not very excited that they're gonna do anything new with him. Yeah. And, and I also feel the same way about Emma. Like I just I feel like they're gonna bring Emma back and put her in that same role that Summer Rae's been doing, who's now Ooh. injured. Right. Yeah. Yeah. From getting it, squashed all the time. Yeah. yeah. You know? I for sure don't. What I don't want them to do is because Dana. It's weird because when she left, she was kind of for a while, her and Tanner were partners. And sometimes she felt like Dana's toady and sometimes they felt like they were equal footing. Mm -hmm. And now all Dana is is a toady. And so I'm definitely like whatever happens with Emma, there can't be that her and Dana connection because she's got to stand on her own. Yeah, no, they they complete. And and I think that's why they haven't brought her back because they don't have anything to do for her. They don't have anything because the whole plan is what they ended up doing with Charlotte and Dana. And they haven't thought of anything else for Emma. It doesn't seem like. No. Mm-mm. Well, maybe she can do cooking with Tennille segments. There you go. <laughs> Just since, making a lot of stuff out of protein shakes. <laughs> since she's coming to Raw, let's take a look at some of the other things that happened in the Red Brand this week. So it was the go-home show for Clash of Champions, which is this Sunday. The main event for the night was Roman Reigns this versus Sunday, Kevin Owens sorry. in a oh, steel cage. Just too yeah, much. it's coming it's up again. Much. All right. Coming up again. You have to. <laughs> I can't. This is now part of your job. I almost, man, I almost didn't... Wa- <laughs> Look, I got home last night, right? And and I had to wait. You know my home situation. I can't watch this stuff while the kid's awake. Sure. Mm-hmm. He goes to bed. He went to bed at 8.30. I had to try to watch Raw and SmackDown last night to come here and talk about this. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many times during this ordeal where I was like, 
this isn't worth any of this energy. <laughs> this thing that I'm watching is not rewarding me enough at all for the pain that it's giving me right now to sit through. So, you know, so the, much. the thought of this pay-per-view this Sunday, I'm not excited. I don't even have a thing on the card to be excited about, I don't think. Are you are you at all excited about them leaning on Rollins as a face, though? I, you know, he came in and I'll, dove off the top of the cage at the end and made I'll save. tell you my problem with that. Um, and we all know that I bitch and complain about heel face alignment every week. <laughs> I think it's an important thing that yeah, they're you're that right they're, that they're skipping over. But I think in terms of Seth's thing, there needs to be an obvious I turned baby face moment. Like an obvious, like, I'm going to beat up a bad guy moment. like, and I, and I don't think we've had that yet. I don't know if the cage thing was supposed to be that, but I think just we need we need to have something where there's some tension and he can do something where people can cheer right then and then he can he can revel in it and yeah. we can know that me and us and him are on the same side. Yeah. Yep. I think, and they're, 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 they're just pulling that out a little too long. They're, they're, they're stretching it out a little too long. I think they need to have a moment. I agree. And whatever it is, it probably should involve Roman Reigns because no one care. No (laughs) one care. Well, let me ask you this. Who's the best heel in WWE right now? Kevin Owens. I say the Miz. (sighs) Oh, those are both really good answers. I I think think I'd probably have to go with the Miz, too, since nobody's cheering the Miz. True story. That is the, that is. Like, he gets the appropriate reaction. Yeah, as of everybody being hella into Kevin Owens. Right, yeah. He's you know, so dope. like, Miz No one's a, chowning, you deserve it. From not Miz. one person not thinks Miz like, deserves anything. At home, at <laughs> <and> Hal. <laughs> Hal, you can run up to him and be like, you deserve it. <laughs> he does deserve He's doing the best work of his career he's doing in the ring work. and if, out of the ring. But if he won either the Universal or world title nobody is chanting you deserve it no babies are not being thrown into the air (laughs) like it's not happening ain't no confetti (laughs) he's not going on talk as Jericho talking about how lucky he is yeah oh I just wanted to bring that up I know we had other stuff of the script but we had to talk about that that match between Ziggler and Miz was fantastic that feud keeps going Ziggler got real booed yeah Zig's got booed in that Mm mm-hmm it's time. The character development, to everything guys. Everything turn, turn, turn. There is a season. Turn, turn, turn. <laughs> you know, there are plenty of things that happen in the world of wrestling, so be sure to join our Facebook group if you haven't already. And that's where you can let us know what you thought about the topics we discussed and bring up the things we didn't get to. Find the group at facebook.com slash groups slash fights. But guys, there's one thing you're probably thinking you didn't get to it. But we're definitely going to get to it, and that's the arrival of the cruiserweight division. That's coming up after a break on Tights and Fights. What's the deal with Brexit? Have you seen Happy Valley yet? How do British people pronounce Edinburgh, Leicester, or Norwich? Not like that. Are you tired of getting your world news from reliable sources, often with no puns or sexual innuendo? Why was there a butcher's hat haunting Coronation Street? What's Coronation Street, and why is Dave Holmes obsessed with it? International Waters pairs a team of comedians in L.A. against a team of comedians in London in a pop culture battle royale. Join us once a fortnight to hear the best comedians in the world trade jokes and stories and maybe even learn something at the same time. International Waters with me, Dave Holmes. Find it at MaximumFun.org or wherever you download podcasts. Tyson Bites Podcast. Tyson Bites. 
Cast the Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Lublin, and with me in the booth to talk about all things wrestling are... Danielle Radford. And... Mike Eagle. Every week we take a look at one particular corner of the wrestling world that deserves extra attention. This is our main event. Ding, ding, ding. Last Wednesday was the conclusion to the Cruiserweight Classic. After a 10-week process, it all came down to TJ Perkins forcing Graham Metalik to tap out to Perkins' patented knee bar. Not only was Perkins declared the winner of the tournament, but he was also crowned the inaugural Cruiserweight Champion. This set up the Cruiserweight division to officially be ushered in this past Monday on Raw. But to start out, let's focus on the tournament itself. Mike, I'm not sure a lot of people thought that TJ Perkins was going to be the guy they went with as the person who would go all the way, especially with competitors like Zack Sabre Jr. and Kota Ibushi in the mix. Do you think they made the right call? I mean, I think they got to make the right call for them because they know who signed a contract with them and who Boom. didn't. And, yep. and they know who, who they have to book for going forward. And given that, I mean, I think they must have made the right decision. And I think it's one of those situations where... Even if on paper T.J. Perkins wasn't the best choice, his performances, especially on that last show, I think he certainly stepped up to the moment and made himself look like I came from underneath and I captured this and I laid it all out and I deserve it. You know. Yeah. What do you think, Danielle? Do you agree? Uh, you know, I'm. I'm just. Hmm. I would have loved to have seen any of those other dudes. But yeah, again, it's like, well, what's their schedule? What are we going to do? Like, you've already got, like, people now who are technically going to Raw but are having their last indie matches. So I get it. It is a little disappointing because I think part of the fun of it was to see if someone else was going to fare a little bit better and then maybe get signed and then have my whole heart. But it's okay. (laughs) We've got TJ Perkins, and he's fine We've got a lot of people who are more than fine that are going to do great and that I'm going to like. And I don't hate T.J. Perkins. Like, he's he's OK. Like, he, you know, he he believes I'm probably a misandrist, but that's 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 tight. <laughs> that's uh, cool. What is does he have weird political beliefs or something? Yeah. Oh. I'm doing the thing I do with wrestling where I'm like, just don't hurt nobody. Like if you're if you don't does hurt, he hurt me, people? What is I don't no, know. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. Like, because yeah. plenty of people got weird stuff. And I'm like, OK, well, OK. If you dig long enough, you'll oh you'll yeah, find, you'll, you'll find terrible up. things for they've, any they've person. Got, they've all got things. Don't meet your heroes. Uh, <laughs> they had a so they had thirty two competitors in the tournament, which means thirty one matches to get a winner. I did the math in my head. I think I'm right. Yeah. I'm sure someone will tell me on the internet if I'm wrong. Head math, head math. Yeah. <laughs> um, there were no bad matches. See, I enjoyed them all to the point where as it got further in the tournament, I'd say when we got down to eight, I was like, any of these eight guys can win. Yeah. I'll be perfectly happy with that result. And there's something about Zack Sabre Jr. I'm just going to say it. He's a great wrestler. I don't like the way he sells as a viewer. It does not seem like he's in a lot of pain. It seems like he is thinking about what his next move will yeah, be. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. That was honestly a problem I had with him as it got further in. Yeah. yeah and everybody else sold. You could tell the guy, um, was it the guy from China who was like the father of Ho-ho professional Loon. wrestling? Yeah. It was either Ho-Ho Loon or somebody like oversold. The guys who were from a country where wrestling hadn't really developed and they were leading the charge, they were overselling, but at least they were selling. Hmm. There's something about Zack Sabre Jr. He sold a little bit for, for Noam Dar. And I don't think he no sold. I just didn't. The style that he that, that he was using to sell didn't build drama into the Well, you the know what? I, I would, and I hadn't thought about that at the time, but now that I'm remembering his matches, I think that what you're commenting on is that he doesn't really sell with his face at all. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. he'll lay there, but you can, 
I could see how you were thinking he's yeah. contemplating the next thing. I yeah. guess I've always attributed that to his extreme Britishness. Because, <laughs> like, he's too British to show pain on his face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that could be an appropriate way to sell. But it's like, oh, I'm in pain. Oh, look. Oh, what my, about... ankle, my ankle is going to snap. Listen, <laughs> like... Regal sold. The True Bulldog story. sold. The, this guy, the British people can sell. They just won't tell you how they're feeling if you ask them. <laughs> if a wrestling match was like, hey, how are you, do you want to submit? No, I'm doing fine. Thank you. <laughs> but there's something about how it's almost like, like the fact that he's so proficient technically should be enough for me as a viewer. That that's that's what I'm being asked to do as a viewer. Like, isn't this enough? He he can turn you into a pretzel or do whatever, which Gallagher can do and yeah. does really well. But Gallagher sells yeah. like a madman, and yeah. he's a he's a tiny guy. Like, Zack Saber Junior weighs what buck ten, buck twenty. No, it's a little bit more than that. I think. Like he, yeah. but he looks oh, like yeah, a yeah, lanky, look thin yeah. guy. Yeah. So he should be he should selling. be in a lot of pain. Yeah, <laughs> he should be constantly in a lot of pain. That's true. Somebody kicks him in the face real hard. He should lay down. All right, from the tournament to Raw, let's look at the cruiserweights who made their debut. We had Brian Kendrick, Rich Swan, Grand Metalik, and Cedric Alexander, who uh, yeah, yeah, won yeah. the crowd over in a fatal four-way to determine the challenger for TJ Perkins' cruiserweight title at Clash of Champions. Was Kendrick the right guy to go over as the number one contender to hmm. the title, Danielle? <sighs> I mean, I like Cedric. It may be that they're just saving him for something a little bit bigger. You know, because right. we all like him. We, he's clear. He's already incredibly over. With Brian Kendrick, I'm not going to say, like, that this is part of that awesome WWE retirement plan that all the indie dudes that I love are doing now where it's like, oh, I got to make some of that T-shirt money. <laughs> I'm getting things are starting to hurt. And also, I'm probably I'm not going to just straight out say that it's a favor for all that <clears throat> Eva Marie training that he did. But it is definitely like it, it's it, if you're going to pull the trigger on Brian Kendrick, he's one that you do got to do it now. Because Cedric is so over that you he can hold. Is he, though? I feel like <laughs> none of them are over. Like they, they got over over the course of that match. <laughs> But the Brian Kendrick is the only name. If people coming in who don't have the WWE Network, which we've established, are many. True. They, they, he'd be the only person they have a shot at recognizing. Right. So having him, having him there to put over talent makes a lot of sense. And and having him as the first challenger, also because he was sort of taking on a heel role over the course of the tournament. Yeah. Certainly comfortable playing that role. To me, I think he is a good guy to to have as that first challenger to help establish the division. What, what do you think, Mike? I'm not in any position to have an opinion yet. <laughs> like, I, really, I really, like, I watched that match last night, and I'm like, okay, this is really cool. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. It uh, It kind of reminds me of, you know, when SmackDown uh, Live started a couple weeks ago, and they did the six-way for the, for, for the gals, number one contender, and we just kind of didn't know where things were going, mm. and it gave us some insight. I just I, I don't know how how they're going to integrate the division going forward. Right. Uh, is it just a match every week? Right. Are they going to do face heel? They're going to have personal issues with these people. Are they going to be allowed to get over in other ways? And I'm not even necessarily sure I want them to, but I don't know. I just don't understand how they're going to treat it. Yesterday, I felt a lot like how they used to do on the old nitros when they'd have the NWO on top, and did, and then they had a three hour nitro, so they'd have Hooventude versus Ray versus mm. Psychosis versus mm. Conan in the middle, having a great match. 
uh, and people. But naturally, at at point at some point, they started pushing Ray. They started pushing Chris Jericho. They started developing feuds and working those guys in. And I think we, I I just kind of feel like I have to take a wait and see approach to see how they're gonna treat this division going forward because I really don't know. I couldn't tell from yesterday like what they're gonna do. Well, they, they got themselves over with a couple video packages mm-hmm. and, and and a full fifteen minutes to do a match. The the awkward Foley introductions aside, where he messed up the size of the the fight in the yeah, dog. Yeah, he's been hitting the head a lot. How, how do you? Where do you go from here? Do they get a fifteen minute match once a week? That's what do you I'm develop dynamics? Because now you've got a cruiserweight division that needs attention. You have a women's division that needs attention. You have a tag team division that's getting no attention. Is there room to to build up a proper division of wrestling so that we care the people who or the more casual fans even care? Is it, is it possible? How do you do that? Um, you, well, you take away fifty percent more Stephanie. Let's get rid of like a lot like a lot less Stephanie just right off the bat. Okay. So cut down some Stephanie. Um, and that's what an hour and a half of show you have left. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hour and a half, two hours of show. Uh, I love Stephanie. I'm a huge. I love what she does, but too much, too much, too much, too much. Did you notice who wasn't on SmackDown this week? Yep, I did. Yeah, because he doesn't need to be there every week. That's right. He sure doesn't. I mean, because how about oh, stop it? I'm just pointing it out. But We're I... just having an agreement. That's all. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> having an agreement. <laughs> but how? How? Like how about Stephanie's music hits? She comes out talking. And then Mick Foley's music hits. Yes. Like, yeah. can they just come out together? Yeah. <laughs> like, why do we need an extra minute on, like, her coming out and talking first? I don't understand. It's like that pageant walk. Why does everyone need to come out exactly. and, like, a th- like just, just mm-hmm. we don't need 20 minutes of songs. Right, we like, don't. We really don't. Like, the songs are over. We get it. But, like, yeah. we got to move through this stuff some, you know? Well, <laughs> we don't need 30 minutes of songs. We do need to take a quick break, though. Cruiserweight Division dominated the news. And when we come back, we're going to give you three more things that deserve your attention from this week in wrestling. You're listening to Tights and Fights. Good news, everyone. There are still a few tickets remaining for the London Podcast Festival, September 22nd through 26th. We've just announced a dazzling new addition to the Bullseye lineup. Sharon Horgan, creator and star of the hit shows Pulling and Catastrophe, as well as a new show, Divorce, which launches soon on HBO. Comedian Josie Long, Veep creator Armando Iannucci, and musician Romare round out the Bullseye lineup. But the fun doesn't stop there, friends. International Waters and Judge John Hodgman tickets are still available, too. Do not sleep on this. Feast your eyes on the juicy full lineup and grab your tickets right now at MaximumFun.org. Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Lublin. With me in the booth are... Danielle Radford. And... Michael Eagle. To finish off the show, we're going to put over three things from wrestling that we thought were funny or interesting. We call it the three count. Danielle, kick us off. What do you want to put over? Okay, so I've got a couple of things that I really liked that I'm going to do some honorable mentions on. Um, Cheating. Cheating. <laughs> but they don't, get their do own, they don't get their own audio. But, but I have to because the, the last thing I have to put over or else we're not going to talk about it at all. So our truth discovered Facebook Live. I'm assuming some grandchild figured out how to do it for him. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he was taking... 
his video thing and he was filming people and Sash was in her ring gear and so she goes up and she's like hugging on Seth and Seth's like, ooh, why are you touching me, Sasha? Like in character. And Sasha's like, oh, the internet ships us. And so you have Sasha Banks and Seth Rollins teaching our truth what shipping means. <laughs> I don't think I know what shipping means. Well, shipping means it's short for relationship. It's when um, you say that you want two characters to get together. Oh. But so our truth was like, oh, you mean ship? You mean like a captain? Oh. And so that was great. And oh. so I wish that I could, but I can't put that over. So what I'm going to put over instead <laughs> is on Lucha Underground, the Weapons of Mass Destruction match. It was so dope and it was so much fun. And the ring was surrounded by like RPGs and machine guns. This doesn't sound safe at all. <laughs> <laughs> and like netting. And, the, you know, it's and it was like a 30 minute match. You can actually find it if you go to Lucha Underground's Twitter or not Twitter, their, um, their YouTube they have the entire match on there because they realize that not everybody has El Rey or cable or televisions. And so it's great. It's it's 30 minutes. It's insane. Let's listen to some of it. And now the killing fields begin to burn with the smell of napalm as Killshot takes out his aggression on his opponent. Oh, wow. my God, brother. God. Exactly. Oh, he's sitting. He just busted his head right through the wall. And then Marty seems to be laughing. That may be the emotional response to pain that Marty the Moth Martinez is accustomed to. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's it's <laughs> it's it's amazing. At the end, um, Marty Who, the Marth has a crimson mask. Who's, it's, who's in the yeah, Who's in the match? Like, who's... So the match is Killshot versus Marty the Moth. Okay. Um, what? <laughs> so it was it was two Dick Tracy villains facing off. <laughs> y'all have to start watching Lucha. That's on y'all. Like it's so Killshot used to be in the military and he used to wear dog tags. And Marty the Moth is an insane person who kidnaps women. And so he I and don't want to support that. No, you're not supporting him. He's the he's. Did you not think that he was going to be the heel? I honestly could not tell (laughs) from your description of those two characters. So Marty the Moth is the heel, and he, um, so he's he's Thor. Yeah, he he bets on dog races. He used to be cute, and then they turned him really creepy. Marty the Moth, is they talk like that? It's me, Marty the Moth. (laughs) (laughs) But he stole Killshot's uh, dog tags, and so Killshot was like, "Those mean something," and that's why they have to have this big ridiculous match. They shoot each other with guns. (laughs) They didn't didn't shoot each other with. Guns. They just had them all over the place where anyone could touch them. I think we oh. have a new segment here. Uh, Danielle <laughs> explains Lucha Underground <laughs> every week. Yeah, I th- I, I, this, this, is, this might be more entertaining than the show. I, I like the show. But I like this way. I like imagining Look, this way more. It's an apple pie and a pole match, but in an abandoned doll factory. <laughs> Yeah, no, that seems that feels right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. But yeah, so that's what I'm putting over. Because if I didn't, then we wouldn't go get to it. Fine. So, Mike, what do you want to put over? Uh, I listen to a lot of wrestling podcasts, a ton. And a lot of them are on the MLW radio network. And that was started by this guy, Court Bauer, who used to be a writer, I think, for Raw. He might have been head writer at some point. But he's assembled all of these podcasts that are hosted by people who used to be in the industry in some form of fashion. So Jim Cornette's podcast is there. Ric Flair's podcast is there. Um, Kevin Sullivan's podcast is there. But my new favorite one is um, Something to Wrestle With with Bruce Pritchard. I don't know if you guys remember Bruce Pritchard. He used to be Brother Love yeah. uh, in the olden days. But he's worked behind the scenes in the WWF, WWE for years, plus TNA as well. And so each week 
his co-host is a guy named Conrad Thompson, who's like a mark who represents us all. <laughs> it's so good. So every week they have a, a theme and they just ask him to tell the story about what happened at that time. So they've had a show on the Ultimate Warriors push versus Hogan. They had a story on the Mega Powers, a whole angle, like that whole year's worth of booking between Hogan and Macho Man and when they came together and when they fell apart. This last week was on the steroid trial. Ooh. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting to hear the insider perspective from Ooh. somebody who was inner circle. At that point, the whole booking team was just like Vince, Pat Patterson, and Bruce Prichard. Wow. So you're really getting like super high-level insight. And it's been a real treat to listen to every week. It's every Friday on the MLW Radio Network. Let's listen to a little bit of that. They were using people like Geraldo Rivera to gather their information and really? go out and find people that had an axe to grind. People like Donahue that would enable them to get their message out to the masses, the federal government's message out to the masses, that the WWF was this horrible, filthy, dirty company led by an evil emperor in Vince McMahon who was a drug dealing, insisted all of his wrestlers uh, take these steroids and was supplying them and selling them to them. It was pretty nasty the way that the government went about it. And, you know, it's just not true. So let me ask you. That's a great. Thank you for that. Is that is that a subscription or? No, well, no. They have they have a free section and it's on that part, and they have a, a VIP section, but it's like two dollars a month. All right, I I thought about putting over a podcast, which is the James Ellsworth interview on Talk Is Jericho, which you should check out. It is actually a fantastic look inside an indie guy who has built his own career, and then all of a sudden, fourteen years in, finds himself in the spotlight and. And getting work while it's at a jobber level is is uh, getting him paid work elsewhere. So that's fantastic. But I do want to put over something that is Chris Jericho related. Some of you may remember years ago, the man of a thousand and four holds, reading his list of holds on which our bar was probably 80 uh, percent. He's got a new list, guys. The list of Jericho made its debut on Monday Night Raw. And here's a little bit of it. So I have made the list of Jericho, and I've put all my grievances against Mick Foley right here, and I'm going to read them out to you right now. Starting with number one, Mick Foley is trying to drive a wedge between me and my best friend Kevin Owens. That's not happening ever. Let's go to number five. Like I said, terrible fashion sense. He looks ridiculous. What did you say? Would you say it to me? No, no, right there. Would you say it to me? You know what? You know what? You just made the list. Brace face in row 12 is now on the list. I mean, Jericho is, it's hard to say he's doing the best work of his career. Because no, that, it's not. That, 2000, that 2008 <laughs> heel run where he wore the suits, though, this is like, on like that level. Because I feel like he's not, he's, I mean, to be put in mostly like upper mid card situations, he's yeah. knocking it out of the park every time. He's being so creative. He's the best. With, with and, so little to work and with. And so much less misogyny. God. Uh, yeah. How about that? So he's doing it all. Misogyny. He's making it about himself yeah. instead of about anybody else, which yeah. is great. But. Check out the, that full list segment, which he starts backstage and then takes into the audience and starts oh. putting people in the audience on his list. So <laughs> You just made the list, pal. <laughs> Fantastic. How many clipboards they got back there? There's lots of clipboards. There's Dana's, so many clipboards. Chris's and McFoley's. <laughs> <laughs> Raw is clipboards. <laughs> 
All right, that does it for this week on Tights and Fights. We are a podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. Our hosts are Daniel Radford and Mike Eagle, along with me, Hal Lublin. Our producer slash GM is Julian Burrell. Senior producer at Maximum Fun is Colin Anderson. Mike Eagle is also behind our theme music, so thank you to him for that. Thank you, Mike. I'll make it better. A lot of you have been doing a great job of sharing the show with your friends, so thank you so much. If you could, please leave us a kind review on iTunes to help us even more. There's plenty of wrestling happening every week, so let's keep the conversation going. Find us on Twitter at Tights Fights, and find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Tights Fights. We'll be back next week to talk about even more, you guessed it, wrestling. Tights and Fights Podcast. Tights and Fights. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.